you know, we come to John Paul the Great Academy, most of us, because we want to hand on our faith to our children effectively. We want to root our, our children in the faith. Yeah. And we see at John Paul the Great Academy a unique community that's been given a grace by God to be able to do that effectively. That there's something about this community that, you know, when you walk on campus, when you talk to the faculty, when you talk to students, that there's a, a lived experience of the faith being the most important thing in our life, right? Well, being in a, a home that's intentionally a home of seeking transcendental reality, of, th of this transcendental conversion Pope John Paul II talked about, is essential to handing on the faith. And it has to be done intentionally because we swim in an ocean of a culture that is not seeking what is one true, good, and beautiful, but rather redefining what all that is based on our own tastes, you know? Yeah. And so if we don't do something intentional in our homes and at our school for this transcendental conversion, then we will lack an essential aspect of handing on our faith to our children. There's a certain urgency to this transcendental conversion. It's Le Bon V. Welcome to the podcast today. This is the podcast from John Paul the Great Academy where we acknowledge, affirm, and unapologetically pursue the good life. I am one of your hosts, Kyle Alvarado, joined with the great Deacon. How are you doing today, Deacon? Doing great. It's a lovely day to talk about lovely topics and you know, for our listeners, I just want to thank y'all so much for the great feedback on the podcast. A lot of y'all are um, reaching out to Mr. Alvarado or myself about how meaningful these things are. So I want to encourage you to share it, you know, on your social media or any other way that you share things you like, uh, even word of mouth. Believe it or not, that still happens. And so uh, tell folks about it because the ideas we discuss are not just for our school community. They affect all humans everywhere. And so the more you share, the more we can all encourage one another to live the good life, right? Indeed, indeed. And yeah, I would echo that thanks. Very grateful for, for the responses so far. And that's one of the things we're hoping to do here is to is to spark great conversations. And so, yeah, if those great conversations are sparked, let us know. We'd love to hear about it. Speaking of great conversations, historically speaking, we're starting a series today that is about as great of a conversation that can be had. People have been talking about this stuff. For a long time. For a very long time. It, it kind of leaps over <laughs> the, uh, the, the kind of categories of great ideas that people talk about. And if you haven't caught already by the title, that, that's quite a Latin pun there. So <laughs> today we're talking about the transcendentals. And the, I guess the joke can't be that funny if you have to explain it, but. <laughs> well, I. I get caught with that a lot, actually. I have to explain myself a bit. So, yeah, me, me too. Me Convicted. too. Convicted. Yeah, the transcendentals, which are so important from a classical 
educational viewpoint, but also from our faith. And a lot of listeners may be surprised to hear or learn over these next few episodes how central the transcendentals have been for centuries. The transcentrin, I tried it, never mind. Um, but how central they've been to how we explain our Catholic faith and also live it out day to day. And so while these are kind of lofty philosophical ideas, there is a huge payout in our faith and in our reason when we wrestle with this topic of the transcendentals. Yeah. And certainly at John Paul the Great Academy, we talk a lot about uh, the pursuit of truth, goodness, and beauty. And often the, the transcendentals are pitched in those three. However, as, as we're going to talk about more next episode, one of the important categories of the transcendentals is that of unity. And we talk about truth, goodness, beauty, and I'm going to add unity now, because those are the, are the aspects of being, of reality, that nourish the soul. One of the definitions of classical education that is often given is the cultivation of wisdom and virtue through the study of the seven liberal arts to nourish souls on truth, goodness, and beauty. And this, this idea that education to be nourishing, and if you remember from our discussion of temperance, this distinction between satisfaction and, and nourishment. So nourishment, again, it, it cultivates desire. It elevates desire. It points it at something at something higher than the mere objects we want or we want to use to, fu to fulfill ourselves, right? And so the transcendentals orient us to, well, live in a transcendental way, to, to live at a higher mode of being. Yeah, and so the word itself, transcend, um, has this connotation of being above, being higher than. And, you know, when we describe things, when we apply terms to things, um, they they apply to certain groups of, of, of beings, right? So if I said something like mammal, okay, so there's a certain group of beings that we would say are mammals and those that are not, right? Um, but I could go higher and I could say animals. And so animals now applies to a greater number than just those mammals. More mm -hmm. animals are included, but it does include something like a rock or a volcano, right? Like those right. aren't animals. Then I can go higher and higher. So the thing is, if you keep going higher and higher on the hierarchy of being, you arrive at the transcendentals, which are synonymous with being itself. So that everything that exists, these transcendentals, these aspects of being would apply to them. So they apply to you. They apply to me. They apply to the rock, to the frog and to God himself. And as we'll talk later, as we go on, um, the transcendentals mainly apply to God himself, who is being itself, as we'll talk more about. So yeah. that's what we mean by the transcendentals. We're talking about aspects of being itself that are always coextensive with the term beings. And by coextensive, I mean, if we're going to say something exists, we're also saying that it's one. If we're going to say something exists, we're also saying that it's true. We're also saying that it's good. We're also saying that it's beautiful. Yeah, that, that's a great way to introduce this idea of a category of things that exist getting higher and higher and more and more inclusive. And I guess it's a good time to explain my bad joke at the beginning <laughs> when I tried to segue uh, using the expression to leap over. 
because the very word transcendental comes from the Latin transcendare, which which means to to leap over. And so these are these are aspects of being or categories of being that apply to everything that exists. And and as Deacon Conk was just explaining, for something to be a transcendental, it has to be convertible with being. And so something is a transcendental, if we can do this kind of logical move with it, every being is good. Every good is being or is in some way being. And we can't do that with other categories of thought or, or other, I don't know, properties. Yeah. So, for example, I can't say every being is a mammal, but I can't say every mammal is a being, but they're not coextensive. The, the extension of that term is not to the same group. Um, but yet with the transcendentals, and, th- and they're not exactly synonyms. This is something people get hung up on. Like It's not like true and goodness and beauty are the same thing. We do mean a different term. However, what they're talking about is being itself so that you can switch them out. I can say something is good like I'm saying something is true, like I'm saying something exists, that it has being. Right. And and so at, at, at least it might be good to ap- apply this and and see kind of how it works with these well we're going to we're going to discuss uh four four transcendentals so every being is a unity every unity is a being we could also do that with truth um every being is true and every true every, every true thing is in some way being um every being is good Every good is in some way being, and every being is beautiful, and every every beautiful thing is in some way being. And so if you're not quite there yet with us on the train, on the Transcendental Train, just stick with it, because we're about to get it moving out of the station and see why this is important and urgent, not only for our lives as a classical uh, a community of classical education, but as Christians as well. I'm Deacon Adam Conk. This is Mr. Kyle Alvarado, and we're starting our series on the Transcendentals on Le Bon V. Um, I think we have a quote, Mr. Alvarado, that might uh, be a good time to insert in this discussion at this point, a quote from our patron. Yeah, and it'll be good compared to the last couple episodes where we didn't quite get to the quote until the end. So this is a good time to to say this. And and. We're going to quote a lot from Fides et Ratio in these next couple of episodes, but in Fides et Ratio, Pope St. John Paul the Great writes, Wherever men and women discover a call to the absolute and transcendent, the metaphysical dimension of reality opens up before them in truth, in beauty, in moral values, in other persons, in being itself, in God. And so this this project of the transcendentals and this conversation and, and this um, project of education that we offer our children to nourish souls on unity, truth, goodness, and beauty is a path to understanding our relationship to God who is being itself. And so as Pope John Paul II was just saying, there's a something of a transcendental conversion that takes place in our life. It can come through philosophy. It can come through our faith. 
But it's this conversion that we begin to understand that existence is bigger than just my view of it. It's bigger than just yeah. my definition of it. There's something about reality as it is that is beyond what any of us say it is, um, as mere creatures, but it exists on its own and it is to be discovered. It is to be valued. It is to be sought after the truth of reality, reality itself. And this is the way God describes the kingdom of God, our Lord. And he says that the kingdom is like a pearl hidden in a field, right? That someone discovers it and sells everything they have to purchase that field. This is, I think, what the Pope is getting at at this metaphysical conversion, that we see life as something that is worth pursuing to understand being itself, to, to see truth itself, goodness itself, beauty itself, and begin to orient ourselves toward that pursuit in our life. Yeah, it's an important thing, especially a Christian worldview means that, as you said, that existence and reality, it's glorious. It's not merely phenomenal. And that there, there you go. There, there's another joke for the few people who have <laughs> read Kant. Um, oh, I've tried, but I just can't. <laughs> uh, sorry. It's all good. Well, because being and goodness. <laughs> well, a lot of modern worldviews, though, are kind of plagued with, with this Kantian idea that there, there's noumena, there's reality or existence apart from any mind as it is, and there's phenomena, which is reality as we experience it. And like, here's, here's kind of the rub of a lot of many modern worldviews is that we're restricted only to the phenomena. Mm-hmm. Um, we're trapped inside our own mental experience of reality, but we have no access to existence and reality as it is. And that's just not true. That, that, that's an idea that goes against our very experience of, of being human persons, because part of what it means to be, well, a human being is this desire to know. As Aristotle said so long ago, all, all desire to know and seek after truth. And with the classical tradition and classical education, if we want education to be the kind of thing where we we learn to like and dislike what we ought, well, then we need to encounter the transcendentals because these are the aspects of being that will will shape and form our desires and point them heavenward. Yes, and really, you know, what we're all seeking at John Paul the Great Academy is something that is timeless. We want an education and a human experience for ourselves that is not subject to the winds of change in this world or the Mm -hmm. latest educational trends or what the world might tell us is meaningful. We know that being human means we need to be rooted in something that is true a hundred years ago or a thousand years ago or a thousand years from now. And that view is specifically a classical view because it's rooted in the transcendentals. And the reason why modern approaches, progressive approaches, vary so much and why the the educational theories that fill our schools and classrooms throughout the country are changing constantly is because there's 
at the heart a rejection of the transcendentals. This idea that um, human beings are beings in of themselves, no matter what century they're in, you know, and their souls need the same thing as they did a thousand years ago, rather than beings, human beings being, uh, you know, products of the age that we live in. That somehow our own thoughts today create our own humanity. This is the chaos that we swim in, and a lot of us seek refuge at JPG, but this this refuge is one of transcendental life, a life seeking truth, goodness, beauty, and unity. Yeah, and if you look at the 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 prag- pragmatist movement of education in the 20th century, um, and and late 19th century as well. One of the big pushes in American education was to get rid of the liberal arts as the foundation for education. Mm-hmm. And the problem is when you throw out the liberal arts, you also throw out the transcendentals because, well, for the trivium, for, for the first three liberal arts that, that are the focus of, of pre-K through 12 education that we offer at John Paul the Great Academy, well, grammar. Grammar is is going to be this art that disposes you to be able to recognize and name unity, to be able to see individual beings and, and what unifies them, to be able to name them, to recognize them, to have them in memory so that you can do what? Move on to the next liberal art, logic, which is right reason, or logic is the science of right reason, where you you... You've encountered this unity, this unified being, and you're able to name it, remember it. Well, now, now logic unlocks the ability of the mind to apprehend, make judgments, and make inferences about what is true. So all these different individual beings, they might have their own principle of unity, but their unity is not something that excludes them. It's something that also unifies them. And that's part of what we're getting at with truth. But rhetoric, the, the third liberal art in the trivium, is, well, the art of being able to persuade others through the good. And ideally, to become more persuadable yourself by the good. And the wisdom that is sought after in the liberal arts, you can almost think about that as Caldecott thinks about it in his work, Beauty and the Word, that's Stratford Caldecott, that that beauty corresponds to the wisdom we seek through our freedom, through our exercise of grammar, logic, and rhetoric, our encounter of being through its unity, truth, goodness, and beauty. This is such an important conversation. I love that we're talking about this. And I think going back to our quote from John Paul, it's good and it's true. You're right. It's true. It's good. And it's one conversation. And depending on our listeners, you know, it could be unifying as well. It could be. It could be. (laughs) Um, But I think, you know, following what you just said and and kind of touching back on that quote from John Paul II about this transcendental orientation leading to God, this is something that a lot of, uh, you know, we come to John Paul the Great Academy, most of us, because we want to hand on our faith to our children effectively. We want to root our, our children in the faith. Yeah. And we see at John Paul the Great Academy a unique community that's been given a grace by God to be able to do that effectively. 
there's something about this community that, you know, when you walk on campus, when you talk to the faculty, when you talk to students, that there's a, a lived experience of the faith being the most important thing in our life, right? Well, being in a, a home that's intentionally a home of seeking transcendental reality, of, the, of this transcendental conversion Pope John Paul II talked about, is essential to handing on the faith. And it has to be done intentionally because we swim in an ocean of a culture that is not seeking what is one true, good, and beautiful, but rather redefining what all that is based on our own tastes, you know? Yeah. And so if we don't do something intentional in our homes and at our school for this transcendental conversion, then we will lack an essential aspect of handing on our faith to our children. There's a certain urgency to this transcendental conversion that if we want to hand on the faith to our kids, our home must be oriented towards these transcendentals. Yeah. If you're, if you're just joining us or, well, podcast listeners, you've probably been <laughs> joining us, but uh, for those of you on the radio, it's Le Bon Vie, um, Colorado here with the great Deacon. I think this is a great conversation, especially a- as we turn to, a home that that is oriented to the transcendent and and in particular with this desire to pass on the faith and 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 how the faith permeates every aspect of our life and again going back to the particular way the transcendentals have a relationship with with the way we desire because desire i mean it's an important aspect of our human experience and the desire are, are all of our desires or oriented to what is transcendental, uh, to what is transcendent. And so nothing cultivates like the transcendentals and we want to pass along a culture rooted in the faith. Well, we have to cultivate and nourish souls. And so I think Maybe it's a good time to just briefly describe how each of these four transcendentals are a way that we encounter being. And so with unity, unity is is this way we encounter being itself. Um, unity is, well... What allows us to be able to encounter distinct beings and enter into a contemplation of the interconnectedness of, of all beings, the eternal logos, which of course is Christ himself and truth. Well, truth is going to be being as known. So truth is this transcendental property of all things that exist. And yet, part of truth is the mind conforming to reality. But before the mind can conform to reality, we recognize that beings that exist have truth in and of themselves without us ever having to think about them. And so truth is our connection to being as known. And then goodness. Well, something is good in as much as it perfects a nature. And so good or the good or goodness can be considered to be being as willed, 
as chosen, as loved. Because when we pursue good things, we enter more into being. And then, well, that kind of leaves beauty, which is kind of hard to pin down, <laughs> uh, right? Um, so, in a way, we could think of beauty as, or beauty in terms of being as desired. Because when we encounter something that is beautiful, it, it captivates us. Um, beauty increases hunger. Beauty, as Pope St. Benedict, or not, maybe not yet, sorry, <laughs> as Pope Benedict uh, writes about, um, and a few others write about that, that beauty corresponds to this empty ache, mm-hmm. which then propels us and moves us to have that empty ache field, filled with things that are what? That are unifying, that are true, that are good. Yeah, and I, I think what helps me to kind of distinguish good from beautiful is being as good implies there's a perfection that is possessed. So, for example, um, you know, a low being would be like a chocolate cake that I think is really good. So there's a perfection in that being that I can possess by eating it. Right. So it's good as possessed. Like I take it into myself and it perfects me. So this being brings perfection to me. Whereas beauty is really it being as delighted in. So it's it's kind of the reverse. I become possessed by the being. So when yeah. something is beautiful, it captivates me, which is a lovely word, captivate, like it becomes my head. This So a beautiful sunset I don't possess the sunset. It possesses me, right? Like I am captivated in the thing and delight in the unity of beings, me and the sunset. But I delight in it precisely because it is big enough. It is beautiful enough to possess me, not the other way around. And um, this is important for our home because, you know, good things are good. Beautiful things are beautiful. True things are true. One things are one. And if you look around our home, you know, will we find these transcendentals kind of represented? For example, in the way we speak to one another, um, we can say things that affirm our identities. This is this transcendental of one, right? Like if I, yeah. if I see the other person as a person, um, as a mom, as a dad, as a child, and I respect that and I uh, encourage that and I, I live a life that, that I speak to that, that transcendental helps guide my speech. If I if I say things that are true and only want to say things that are true, um, and we only want to speak the truth, this commitment to the truth is an important commitment of the home. Right. Well, and quick pause there, because notice how, like you're saying, speech and how we connect one another in the home, that in many ways we can say that if we treat one another or speak to one another in such a way that it divides and doesn't unify. Mm-hmm. Notice how it, 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 it in many ways disconnects our home a little bit from reality. I want to talk about that a bit more because this is an important aspect or application of the transcendentals in our home and in our life is that being can be corrupted. Yeah. Being yeah. can be corrupted. This is what we call sin. This is what we call well, corruption yeah. itself. But things that are can be, their, their existence can be a corrupted existence. 
you know, by analogy, but more than analogy, when we say original sin, so original sin didn't destroy our being, like we're still the same human beings, but it gave us a fallen nature. Yeah. So there's a corruption to our being um, that God wants to redeem and definitively do so in heaven. And so in our homes and in our personal lives, we we are one being, but there can be a corruption, which we might call disintegration. Yeah. This happens in the body, kind of obviously, if we have a disease that's starting to eat our body apart, there's a disintegration disintegration of our body that's attacking our oneness, threatening our being. This is also true psychologically and spiritually. We can divide each other. We can divide ourselves in such a way that this actually corrupts our being. We, our being is threatened and destroyed. That's one of the aspects of, of Christ telling us that, you know, those, we, we baptized faithful are in my case, baptized, Lord, I really want to be faithful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we're, we're part of his body, right? And this idea of disintegration, if we, if we think of ourselves, you know, we are, we are, we're thumb, maybe. Um, we're part of the body. But if we think in pride and in sin that, that we could live in a disconnected way, well, what happens if, you remove the thumb from the body. It loses its principle of unity. It loses its truth. It loses mm-hmm. its goodness. And um, those of you who delight in the macabre um, probably won't agree with this, but that's disordered. It also loses its beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, in a very, very real way... Um, we should approach with fear and trembling the reality, the ontological reality that our sin can disintegrate our family. But always that fear with hope and trusting in God's mercy, because guess what? When we participate in grace, it's the opposite of disintegration. Yes, because as we'll learn, you know, if, and again, this conversation is not going to put a nice little bow in the transcendentals for you. So I apologize. This is probably opening more questions than it's answering, but I don't apologize at all because join the conversation that's been going on for centuries. This is a very important life conversation. Read about it. Think about it. Talk to faculty at JPG about it. But as we talk about these beings that are one true, good, and beautiful, we realize that God is a being unlike any other being, that we are all beings that participate in his being, but he participates in no one else's being. He doesn't, he does, he's not brought into being by anything. We are brought into being, even now, by God. But he is being itself, is the phrase we use. Um, St. Thomas Aquinas said he's being itself. And because of that, we can say with confidence that since we can change that word being with the transcendentals, that he is unity itself, he's oneness itself, if you will. He's truth itself, as Jesus told us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's goodness itself, and he's beauty itself. He is these things, right? He doesn't have beauty. He doesn't have goodness. He doesn't have truth. He doesn't have unity. He is being. And the reason why I bring that up is you brought up grace. This is the power of grace in our life. Yeah, Grace is receiving God into my life. It's a mystical union with him to where I receive oneness from him who is oneness. 
I receive truth from him who is truth. And so this transcendental conversation should be one of hope, particularly as Christians, because through the sacraments of the church and through the life of grace, we have a principle of integrity in our life, a principle of truth, a principle of goodness and of beauty that is an, a direct access through the created means of grace to God himself who is being himself. That's great encouragement because it could feel overwhelming, you know, trying to ponder these things, contemplate these things. And and as you were starting to say earlier, um, seeing unity, truth, goodness, and beauty as these these essential values that should animate how we pursue our home lives. And it's glorious. It's glorious. And so in, in many ways, you can kind of think of this idea of glory um, distinct from something beautiful or something really good or something really true, but rather whenever you have something that just oozes and emanates uh, unity, truth, goodness, and beauty and invites the receiver to enter into that, that that's glory. Mm-hmm. And when we speak of the Lord's glory is... Re- in, in, in the life of the Trinity is perfect joy. And God's love, well, God is love. Love extends that, that perfect joy for us to enter into. And so I guess to not put a bow on this episode, <laughs> but as an invitation to, to think further mm-hmm. and to join us in the next couple of episodes, if anyone struggles with feeling faint-hearted about pursuing the good life, about unapologetically answering the universal call to holiness, that that magnanimous call that God desires for us to enter into his life. Um, well, one, yeah, grace. The radical role of grace is, is essential for addressing our faint-heartedness and our, our lack of desire for these great things. But I would also recommend first, yeah, grace, ask for the Holy Spirit and, and reflect on in what ways am I pursuing unity in the way I run my whole household and relate to the members of my family? In what ways am I pursuing truth? Or in what ways do I tolerate lack of truth? Mm-hmm. In what ways do I tolerate lack of unity? And in, in what ways am I inviting my family members to be a part of the good? And I think it's important to remember in that in that self-examination as we go through this series, I encourage you, like me and Mr. Aberrado are going to do, to take this series as a self-examination of our own life and our own mm-hmm. pursuit of these things. But as you do that, remember, you know, the opposite of, There's no real opposite of truth, just like there's no real opposite of God. What we do have is corrupted truth, which we call error. So being can be corrupted, but you can't destroy it completely. No, The devil can't destroy God, for example. And the devil's not destroyed. He still exists, but he's a corrupted being. And so the corruption of unity is division. Where is it in my life? First, it's in me. Mm-hmm. St. James says that. Why are there wars among you? It's because there's wars in you, like in you, your <laughs> passions, your emotions. The disunity 
is a corruption of my being before it's a corruption of our family or our school or anything else. And this is our Lord who says, take out the beam out of your own eye before we take out the splinter in our brothers. Not that we shouldn't care about both, but that integrity is first and foremost a personal question before it becomes a communal one. But where is, where is that being of my family and my, um, myself uh, disintegrated? Truth, the corruption of that is error. They're gonna, I'm going to think things that are not true. And for some of us, this is a daily battle, protect, particularly if we struggle with anxiety yeah, or, or other forms of, of just this repeat in our mind of thoughts that are not true. This weighs on us. This weighs heavily on us. And the solution is not to not think about these things, but rather to nourish our soul on the truth right? instead of the corruption of error. And, and to not be satiated or satisfied with the familiar, because sometimes the familiar is the enemy of the truth. And what I mean by that is that it, it's really easy to take for granted that an idea that we might have, we might take for granted that it's, it's not, or it's a corruption of truth just because it's familiar. It's the idea we've always had. And so if we're complacent about the truth by um, being overly satisfied with ideas that are merely familiar to us, then that, 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 that's a very indocile and impoverished way to live. And that's part of the metaphysical conversion is that we begin to pursue truth as that pearl of great price that Jesus talks about. Like, I would give up everything for the truth. This is a personal and Christian conversion that we're, we all need to pursue. And then goodness, I mean, the opposite of goodness is not necessarily evil. It's the corruption of goodness. It's yeah. mediocrity. I mean, evil itself is not a thing. It's the corruption of a good thing, right? And so, for example, Jesus says in uh, the book of Revelation that he would cast the lukewarm out of his mouth. Mm. And so for a lot of us, mediocrity, selling for settling for the less perfect things in life, the less noble things in life, is something we need to continually work on to convert and change, that we would not be settled for mediocrity in our faith, in our intellectual life, in our studies, in any of it. Um, and how does our home reflect that? And then finally, beauty, you know, something can't be ugly unless it's a corruption of something that ought to be beautiful. Yeah. And there's a lot of ugly art. There's a lot of ugly conversation. There's a lot of ugliness around there that or it's a corruption of the beautiful thing God actually created. Yeah. And I guess not to dive too further into this, because we're going to get there when we, when we do a deep dive into beauty, but the variability for us to experience disgust in many ways is a recognition of the beauty that is corrupted. Mm-hmm. So we think about these things, we ponder these things, and we ask God to open our hearts by his grace to see these things and to order our homes and our lives accordingly. Yeah, so in many ways, the good life is also the true life. That's right. The unifying life and the beautiful life. I don't know how to say all those things in French, though. Yeah, je ne comprends pas. <laughs> or je ne sais pas. Well, look, join us for the rest of this series. I hope this uh, episode is a good introduction for you. And if these are brand new ideas to you, listen to this episode again. Uh, have conversations with people about them. Don't just sit on it. Talk about it because... This is part of the great conversation of humanity to talk about these transcendentals. Absolutely. So until next time, thank you for joining us. Uh, On behalf of the good deacon, pursue the good life. 
Vila Bonvi.